Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It's Tuesday, September 20th. It's time for another episode of The Pit Politics in Trucking. I don't have a lot today. I have a couple things I want to talk about here at the open. I think I'm still waiting for John to join me, and John's bringing another guest, another John as well. Uh, We'll see when we get them in here, but I'm going to open phone lines right now. So if you have anything political and you want to jump in, do it right now. Pick up the phone and join me, 855-950-3835. Phone lines are open, so jump in and join us. If you have anything political, it's kind of a political free-for-all today. I do have a couple things, like I said, not a lot. Um, you know, it's such a strange time. I don't know how many times I can keep saying that about politics, but it seems to get more and more strange. And I, I was kind of working on a theme for this week, and then I happened to watch um, Biden's interview. Is it 60 Minutes, I think? Um and it was just bizarre. And it and this whole thing seems to be getting more and more bizarre every day. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to have John on or not. I just got a message back that we haven't heard from him yet. Um, we will see. In the meantime, pick up the phone and join me. 855-950-3835. So... You know, we've got the midterms coming up and and everything right now is about the midterms and we're what, 50 some days, actually getting pretty close. I certainly hope that we see a change in Congress simply because I just want kind of gridlock in Washington. Um, I'd rather they just not do anything for a while. So it would be nice to see the Republicans take over um, the House seems like that should be pretty well decided. I, I, I'd be shocked if the Republicans can't take over the House, um, which would be enough um, to stop all the crazy spending bills. Uh, but it'd be nice if they could get the Senate to. The polls are just all over the board, and we know in the last couple election cycles, the polls have been very, very wrong many times, like not even close. So, you know, the polls look a little weird right now. But what I think is really strange right now is the the actions of both parties, um, the Democrats more so, but even the Republicans. I, I'm watching what everybody's doing right now and thinking, Why? The Democrats act like they can't lose. I mean, that that's almost the, they, they don't seem to be doing anything to try to kind of change the momentum or the tide. They're doubling down on their kind of extreme left policies. And the, the, even their own party doesn't seem to be responding well to it, but they're not changing anything. And, Biden's behavior just gets more and more bizarre all the time. I mean, to, to watch him the way he casually said, oh, the pandemic's over. And it wasn't a slip. It wasn't a gaffe. He said it very specifically more than once. 
Yeah, we have some work to do on COVID, but the pandemic's over. Oh, really? I, maybe they should have told us that. Why are we still firing people? Why are we still putting people out of the military for not getting vaccinations? The, the pandemic's over. Many of the regulations or mandates they've put in place were only legal because we were under emergency situations, the pandemic. But if the pandemic is over and the president said it, isn't he the commander in chief? Isn't he the one that started most of these mandates? So why do we still have them? The pandemic's over. And I agree, it is over. COVID's here to stay. It's like the flu. It will be around forever. There will be new variations. There may be some dangerous variations. We've had dangerous variations of the flu. Remember the last big pandemic in our country, was it 1912? Always get the dates wrong on that one. But that, that was a flu was just a very nasty variation of the flu. Now we need to also realize there could be new variations every year of COVID. And we're to the point now where every year it'll be just like the flu. You decide, should you get the shot or not? I'm pretty clear on my decision. Uh, I'm not getting it. But that's where we are now. And, and then his other comment, which actually might even be more egregious than, than his COVID comments, because honestly, there really never should have been a pandemic, honestly. And the fact that it's over really isn't any big deal other than the controversy of if it's over, then it's over, then end this stuff. But now, all of a sudden, the White House and Dr. Fauci and all the advisors are saying, oh, no, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean the pandemic was over. But that's what he said. No, no, he just means we've made a lot of progress. That's what they're trying to say now, because they don't want to get rid of this emergency authorization. They're not going to. Um, but the other comment that he made, and this is not the first time, it's the second, and they had to clarify it again when he clearly, and again, it was not a slip. He was deliberate when he said it, and he has said it more than once. So we know one of the problems we're dealing with in the world right now is Ukraine. Russia invaded them. We are supporting Ukraine financially and militarily, but we will not put boots on the ground. That, that's been a big, big issue. We will not put American troops on the ground in Ukraine. We will support them with money and weapons and um, advisors, but we will not put boots on the ground, which is good. We shouldn't. We should not be risking American lives for other countries' conflicts all the time. But according to Joe Biden, if China invades Taiwan, which is highly likely, according to Joe Biden, again, we will put American troops in danger to protect Taiwan. I, that, no, we won't. I, that's not our agreement, even though that's what he keeps saying. He keeps answering. 
We agreed to that. Yes, we will put troops on the ground. And everybody else in the White House freaks out because that's absolutely not true. That is not our policy. And when he says it is, he's just 100% wrong. Or he's decided to unilaterally change the policy and just didn't bother to tell anybody else. It's just bizarre to me that he wanders around saying things like this we're not even sure who's in charge anymore. So I, I don't know. It's good. It's, it's a, in one way, it's going to be an interesting election, but I'm already sick of the election coverage and we have 50 some days more of this. I, I'm, I am backing off how much news I watch. Uh, weekends I'm taking off completely. I threatened to take off all of October but I also said I was going to have to write a bunch of opens, and I'm not sure I'm going to get to it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I am backing off. I'm not watching as much news. It's just a really, really strange time right now. The economy, I, I certainly watch that. So, you know, I, I'll read, you know, economic news and try to stay away from some of the political news because it, it – the economy is changing right now. There's no doubt in my mind we are going to suffer a, a pretty severe downturn, I think. I, I don't think there's much chance anymore that it's not going to be um, pretty painful. So I do need to keep an eye on that so that we've, you know, we know what's coming. We know what to expect. We know how best to avoid the worst of it if we can. The other issue, um, like I said, I, I had several things, but I had really um, kind of written it so that I was going to discuss it with John and John, but we're not finding them yet. I was going to um, I was going to talk a little more, more about the vaccine, but I'm going to wait and see if we get a hold of them. In the meantime, we've got a call, so I'll go grab a call. If you want to jump in, please do, 855-950-3835. Uh, we're going to go to Arkansas. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Okay, you started out with this COVID thing, and I'm like, well, I better call. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, kind of all over the board because I, I thought I was going to be having this discussion with John, but he seems to be MIA, so um, I'm kind of rambling. Yeah, at no, that's moment. part of why I called, too, was just to help you fill in. I told Angie I was just pretty much calling the rant but then it would start with the COVID thing. There you go. So, <laughs> um, something I calculated out, because they, they did like to compare uh, this, you know, what I call the COVID-1984 scandemic to the Spanish flu, which was, I think, about 1918, 1920. That's 18 right? sounds or, right. Yeah, I think 19. I said 1912, but I think 18 yeah. is right. Yeah, no, that was early. It's 1918 or so. But now... From the numbers that I saw, I looked this up a while ago, so forgive me if I'm not correct, but I believe the population of the entire world in 1920 was 1.6 billion, you know, however they calculated it back then. Okay. And they lost about 25 million people to the Spanish flu. And back then, it wasn't like they were having, you know, car accidents and calling it the Spanish flu. <laughs> right. So I right. think there are numbers probably a bit more accurate back then. Yeah. But think about that. From, from our population of the world, 
uh, quintuple in 100 years. It took all of human history to get to 1.6 billion. And from 1920 to 2020, five times. We had 7.85 billion people in 2020. Wow, yeah, so that's, that's an interesting COVID number. Even, yeah, even, even if COVID was comparable to the Spanish flu, you know, I, I take 25 million divided by 1.6 billion, I get 0. 0.0156. So I take 7.85 billion, multiply it by 0, uh, 0.0156. We should have had over 122 million deaths if COVID was actually as serious as the Spanish flu. It was nowhere near as serious. They haven't even gotten that in the fake numbers. No, right. yeah, and, and here's another not interesting... Even, not even the fake overblown numbers that they've been Exactly. Right. Yeah, they're not even close. Here's the other really interesting difference between the two. The Spanish flu was hard on children and young people for some reason, and we didn't know why. And I'm not sure if we still know why, but it was very, very hard on young people and children. This was not, I mean, talk about overblown statistics. Many of the people who died from COVID probably would have died that year anyway. They were really old. That's the one thing we know about COVID. Most of the deaths by far were really old people. Well, especially the way they handled it from the start. Like, you know, again, I'm in the People's Republic of Washington, and it was one of the first hard-hit places. No, not one of the first. You had the first case. You had the first case. You had the first death. You had the first big outbreak in the nursing home. Yeah, you were ground zero. Well, that's what I was going to refer to was that they stuck all the elderly people in the nursing home with COVID, and they killed off 122 people in the first month. Yeah. It was like, Jesus, what did they try to do? But then, you know, we have the same state that instead of a sick foot uh, socialist distancing mandate, our idiot governor tried to make it a 17 foot mandate. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't just dislike small businesses, he wants them destroyed in the first place. Yeah. And we lost enough businesses, luckily the 17 well, foot never got passed, so we it, still lost half the businesses in the state. You know, let's go back and think about what we were saying very, very early on, early in this, We were saying, hey, look, this seems to really, really be rough on old people. Maybe we should be focusing on old people. And we never did. That was identified really early on. The statistics are still clear that this was really rough on old people. And yet, no matter how many times it was said, why don't we just focus on the old people? They never did it, ever. They still don't. And, well, there were some things I'd heard about, you know, how some people handled it with their own relatives. Like, they couldn't go visit them inside. But these people would go and pull out on chairs. They'd go sit outside their elderly person's window. Yeah. And they would talk to them on the phone. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was, at least they still visited them. So many old people who were in nursing homes, they don't get visited when things are good. Exactly. And then yeah. when COVID hit, Suddenly, they're not even, you know, they're, so, they're not even real entities anymore. They're just somebody that somebody has to slide a tray to them every once in a while to feed them. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus. 
So let, let's. What gets wait. me is also like you talk about the kids, the the elementary school down the street from me. I don't know about how they're handling it now, and I don't know what the inside is like because I don't have any kids. But outside, those kids are being sent out to play at recess wearing masks. We fresh air, sunshine. We still have and mask mandates. Masks while they're out there at recess. We still have schools that are that are forcing kids to wear masks still. It's, it's just, that have vegan Mondays and whatnot. Yeah. It, it, so let's talk about something else because the, the campaign has started. And, you know, I talk about okay. this every year when they start the campaign for the flu shot. They spend an awful lot of money pushing and promoting this flu shot because they make a ton of money giving these shots, whether they're free or not. Somebody's paying for it. And now... Now there's two campaigns. Now there's a big push for your flu shot and a big push for your COVID shot. And I'm seeing it all over the place. All these public service announcements are spending all our money to promote this again. And at the same time that the United States is promoting, pushing people to go get the vaccine, Denmark has banned the vaccine. Why isn't that being talked about? Oh, wow. And they're even kind of a socialist country, aren't they? they? they sort of, yeah. They banned it. They're not just saying it's not mandatory wow. anymore. They are saying they are stopping almost everybody under 50 from getting the COVID shot. They're saying, no, you can't get it. We will not give it to you unless you can prove to us like to that you are at severe risk from dying from this. You can't get it. They, they won't give it to you anymore. I'd like to see their numbers for how many people have died after having the, the back boost. You know, we're not getting those numbers from our country. No, we're not getting them from anywhere. When you do get the numbers... It almost seems like nothing anybody did changed anything. If you locked down or didn't lock down, didn't seem to matter. If you mandated vaccines or didn't mandate vaccines, didn't seem to matter. If you closed businesses or didn't close, if you, you know, closed schools. It, it, we have countries that didn't do anything. We have states that didn't do anything. There's no significant difference in numbers. That's something that we hear now. We hear words. There are many situations that involve political things like this, where in the end, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they always come out with the statement. But just imagine what would have, what might have happened if we didn't do this. Right. You and I'm can't. Like, I'd like to imagine, because I'd like you to stop doing all this stupid shit, you know? If you want us to imagine it, why didn't we try it? Because they, they would rather do something they're, even if it's wrong, it, well, rather than not do something. Their, their answer or their assumption that because they did something made it better is an asinine assumption. It's ignorant. I know. Just because you did something doesn't mean you did the right thing or made things better. You could have made things worse, and yet you've never tried to prove it. Either way. Right. Well, we can, we can wrap that up in the whole government nutritional guideline thing. 
we should never have done that, period. Correct. And yet, they would still say, oh, but we just imagine how many people might have died if we had. No, it's bullshit. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, it's, it, like, it, it's, and, it's far oh. more likely if the government would have stayed out of nutritional advice that we'd all be healthier. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, I kind of have to imagine that there's no way it could have been worse. Just, exactly. Know. Right. I mean, there's no way it could have I, been I mean, worse. Listen, right. I mean, listen to all these, you know, different books and following people on podcasts who know about the history of this stuff. You know, between you know, Ansel Keys and destroying him, destroying the guy who was opposing him, saying that sugar was actually the problem. Yudkin. And then the three Harvard professors that were paid cash money to come out and say that sugar was the problem. And, and the the government, who the hell was was leading that commission? Was that a Goldwater thing? Um, Gary Goldwater? I don't remember. I, uh, but, yeah, it might have uh, been. had the video on his uh, fat documentary where he literally said, well, uh, Senators don't have the luxury that scientists do of waiting for all the facts to come in before we do something. It's like, really? How about you not do something until you know that what you're doing exactly. is right? You it, 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 which is my whole point about global warming or climate change or whatever we're calling it this month. Oh. I, 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 the same thing. I, look, why do we keep doing stuff when we don't know what the hell we're doing? Sometimes it makes far more sense to do nothing but observe and gather data. Why aren't we doing that with COVID and the vaccines? Why aren't we just observing and gathering data so we can actually learn something? And the only logical answer is that this is just a big money grab. I Correct. Yeah, we were afraid of another ice age. Yeah, we were all going to starve because it was going to be too cold to grow food. That was the fear mongering back then. You're going to starve because the earth is going to become too cold to grow food. And then growing up with the I, I remember, you know, I grew up on shed spread country crock. Yes. Butter. I don't know oh. why, but my well, mother was five foot one and over 200 pounds. That was no, I'll, why. I'll, I'll tell you why. She was trying to do everything in her power to lose weight. I'll tell you why. Yeah, it was marketing. It was marketing. I mean, when you turned on a TV in the I, 60s, you saw commercials about margarine all the time. It was a big thing. Remember, it, it's better than oh, butter. And, and I remember the Mother Nature one. Exactly. It's not, it's nice, not to nice to fool Mother, Mother Nature. Nature. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I, all yeah. of that marketing around all of those margarines and all of the vegetable oils, those were huge. Commercials were everywhere. It's why, pure marketing. Why didn't they have competing marketing? Why, why wasn't butter fighting back? You know, and I mean, well, the, how, the most we got from meat was how, beef. That's what's for dinner. How you know? could you? Okay. I mean, what what could you do to fight back other than some marketing campaigns? The problem well, is, know. the problem is the real food has small margins. The fake food is highly profitable. 
So the fake food people have well, lots of money to yeah. run big marketing campaigns, and the real food people can't afford to. I guess, truthfully, that, that is the answer right there. But it's also... Um, Although, I, 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 I do remember another one. The, do you remember the Buttertons? Oh, where, yeah. You know, the, the, the wife is serving dinner to her hubby, and there's a stick of butter sticking out of the potatoes. Right. And a stick of butter sticking out of the meat. Yeah. And it's like, nowadays, that would be the right way to eat. Exactly. <laughs> yes, we need to we bring those commercials. Correct, that, yeah. Except throw the potato away and just eat the butter. Yeah. But, I, I, honestly, once you get healthy again, I don't even mind the potato. I mean, if 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 we yeah. if we were metabolically healthy, the real food carbs like some white rice, some potatoes, some sweet potatoes, they're not a problem. They're really not. You get metabolically healthy, you can eat those things on a fairly regular basis. I do now, and I, you know. Something has changed, and I don't think I've ever really mentioned this on the air since we headed down this path. Remember there was a time when I would come yeah. on. I used to say this quite often. I, I used to come on and say, I will predict what my weight is going to be two weeks from now based on the number of carbs I eat in a day. Remember when I used to say that a lot? I remember that. And it was true. I remember that specifically. Yeah, and it was true. I could say, okay, I'm going to bump my carb count up to 80 grams of carbs a day instead of 60, and two weeks from now, I'll be five pounds heavier. Whatever the, I, and I used to, and I could prove it. I would do it. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to knock my carb count down to 40 grams a day, and two weeks from now, I'll have lost seven pounds or whatever. And it was pretty accurate. And somewhere along the line, I, I just realized the other day, that changed. There are some times now where I've been eating probably close to 100 grams of carbs a day. And I, I'm not gaining a pound. I'm not gaining anything at all. Well, see, I, I wondered about, about you as well, because you mentioned your weight the other day. I don't remember what it was, but I remember you saying that you, at some point, got to where you were lighter than you felt comfortable. It won. So you started eating more carbs to put more weight back on. Right. And, and I wondered if you gave up on that when you went carnivore. I've hit that number twice. I got down under 140, 139, as, as I hit it twice. And I just don't feel good at that it's, weight. It's That's too light. And what are you, 5'6"? 5'5". Five, 5'5". Okay. Yeah, so I I am really comfortable between 150 and 160, and usually I end up staying down at close. Like this morning, I think I was 151.2 or something. But it, it's like it doesn't matter. Have you done a DEXA scan or anything to actually calculate your real body? You know, I, I did it back in uh, I did the Bod Pod back when we first started this, and I I think I might go do it again. Um, I have a scale that, that measures all that, but they're not very accurate. They're, they're good comparison. You know, where was I a month ago and where am I now? But they're not very accurate. And even the DEXA scan, you got to be careful with the DEXA scan because, like, if you drink too much water before that's, you go there, you can throw it off. That's what it, throws it off the... all of your fat, including all the fat you're supposed to have on. That's what throws off the scale. If your your hydration level will change the other measurements drastically, 
Like if you are really dehydrated, it shows that your body fat is much higher than it really is. So they're 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 good for you know just rough comparison. They're not really all that accurate. But I like I said, I just realized I had been doing all these kind of weird things with diet and the way I was eating, and I realized that hey, wait a minute, my carbs are all over the board, but it doesn't seem to affect my weight the way it used to. Well, I, I'm going to say that I'm sure it's going to be different for those of us who were are massively obese for long periods of time as opposed to somebody who might have just been 30 or 40 pounds overweight, you know, and then got back down to normal because when it comes to, like, vegetables, you know, starches especially and whatnot, I, I'm, I'm still struggling to get myself to just go and stick to carnivore for a long period of time. But I'm listening more to Dr. Anthony Chafee than I am a lot of the other guys, like, Saladino is pretty much off my list now. I'm kind of done with him. Because, I mean, I... Something it, it was minor... Something that bugged me that Lauren said a few weeks ago, I don't remember how long it's been, but she was like, she was happy to see that Dr. Saladino could admit when he was wrong. And I'm thinking to myself, no, I believe he was right for the short period of time he was carnivore. He was only carnivore for like a year and a half, two years. I think he's wrong now and that we have to wait another couple of years for him to realize that because there's so many other people who are full-on hardcore carnivores that are thriving and doing well. They're athletic. They don't have a problem. They don't, you know, they don't have any issues. And it's only Saladino that's like, well, you know, in order to keep up with my three hours of surfing, I need to eat 200 grams of fruit and a pile of honey every day. And I'm like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think he's going through a, an issue right now that we have to wait him out and wait for him to come back to the fold. You know, but, I've been kind of know. experimenting with the, you know, I, I, I've always said I, I eat fruit almost every day, but it's usually just one serving. And, right. you know, I, looking at the idea of fermented carnivore, which I really liked, and then I got thinking, could I add more fruit to this? Mostly because I really like fruit. I, I'd like to be able to eat two or three servings of fruit a day. I really enjoy it. So I kind of started playing around with it. And my weight didn't change. That's kind of one of the experiments where my carb count went way up eating all this fruit, even eating some like concentrated fruit. Like I found these bars that it, it's, they're kind of funny. It'll say on the, on the label, it's one apple, three mangoes. And that's it. That's all the ingredients. There's nothing else in it. And they, they do something yeah, to it. It, it almost, I, right, that's a lot of fruit. I mean, one apple, that's yeah. four servings of fruit in one bar. And this is a little snack bar. It's not, you know, so that's a lot of fruit. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm just going to see. more than that because a mango is. You wouldn't, you wouldn't sit down and eat a whole mango. That's a lot. That's unless, unless I'm thinking wrong. I'm thinking mangoes are like, you know, huge. I, like, double, they're, they're, like double the size of your hand. You know? They are, but if you've ever had to cut a mango, they've got a really weird seed in it. The whole... So you when you cut a mango, you only get like two pieces, and then the, the pit or the seed itself is really, really big. 
but you you are still correct. Maybe that's the uh, I had with mangoes I, because it was like I was hacking into a block of wood. Well, that's what happens. <laughs> you have to know how to cut a mango to get it right, or you waste most yeah, of the mango. But you are not incorrect. Nobody would sit down and eat three mangoes. I love mangoes, but one of them is is quite a bit. Right. But this little bar packs three mango or, you know, they they have cherry and it'll be 16 cherries and one apple. Um, they have strawberry and it'll be, you know, well, that 12. Makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, but so it's pretty concentrated fruit and pretty concentrated sugar. And, you know, I, I started eating more fruit. I started snacking on these bars and I was watching my weight. My weight wasn't changing at all, but I have noticed something else. I don't have joint pain. I have more muscle pain all of a sudden than I normally have. Like I'm not recovering from, you know, whether it's, you know, a hard day of gardening or a day out on the river or the other day when I was working on the lights over my head all day long. When I get this muscle soreness and it's hard to get rid of. And I'm wondering if that's some, I, I, the one thing that changed was I'm consuming more fruit and I have a feeling there's something there. And that's something that Anthony Chasey has talked about because he said the same thing. Because he would experiment with it, and he said that the only time he felt muscle burn after a workout or after playing rugby was when he would eat some fruit. He never eat vegetables ever, but he would try fruit because he thought, well, maybe you know that's at least a part of the plant the plant wants you to eat, and that isn't trying to kill me. But he said, yeah, I I would have muscle pain that I would feel for three days and that's, I'd go back to just eating meat and all the muscle pain would go away. That, so. That's what I'm experimenting with right now, today, and I, maybe I should just say, yeah. you know, now that I've kind of seen, okay, you increased your fruit consumption and you created a problem. I have this muscle pain now that I'm fighting with just about every day and I keep waiting for it to clear up and go away and I, why am I not recovering from this? And... So I think I may experiment. I'll just knock off the fruit for a week and see if this muscle pain goes away. Another thing about the fruit is, even if you wanted to go anthropological, you know, that bullshit, we would only eat fruit for two to four weeks a year, and then we wouldn't have it the whole rest of the year. For so the most like, part. Because the you entire know, purpose for us, of, it would be like bears. You know, we would only yeah. eat a bunch of fruit right before winter started. Well, now, we couldn't find any meat. Now, that would be geographical. If you live close to the environment, you have fruit all year. Or to the, um, not the environment, the, uh, the equator. If you live the close equator. to the equator, you have fruit all year. So some human beings did consume a lot more fruit naturally just because it was available. My ancestors, how much fruit do you think grows in Scotland? It's like it's the same same line as Alaska, Scotland is. It's that far north. I kind of yeah, doubt I, that there was a whole lot of fruit the, there. I wonder if naturally anything grows there that you could eat. Oh, right. Ever. Right. I mean, I, it, what, I mean, I don't know if apples wouldn't even grow there, would they? Uh, probably not. I mean, we grow a lot of apples in Washington, but I don't think we grow any in Alaska. Yeah, well... Or what what we're growing now doesn't matter anyway. If we're growing corn in Washington now, too. Well, true. Yeah. Uh, oh, something I was <laughs> I wanted to back up something that Joel said on last Friday when you guys were talking about the 
mantle keys and that stuff, or whatever you were talking about that related to that anyway. He actually came out and said, I don't believe that it was intentional, that we just made a mistake. And I'm like, no. I, I was not quite shouting at the radio, but I'm like, no, it wasn't a mistake because they intentionally went out and ruined fat for us and made sugar out to be a good thing. It was absolutely not a mistake. They did it on freaking purpose. It may not have been intentionally to make us all sick and diabetic and put us on 15 medications for the rest of our lives. But it was definitely so that they could sell us cheap-ass products yeah. that were not good for us, but that they could put into everything. You know, I mean, my God. <laughs> I, I remember when high-fructose corn syrup and sugar were having a battle for who was really <laughs> good or not good. And, I'm like, and, and in hindsight, I'm like, that's like saying whether, you know, Marlboros or Camels are better for you. Yeah, hero- you know, I mean, what's the fucking difference? He- heroin or fentanyl? You know, which one? <laughs> right. right. But, well, have your guests showed up yet? That's, I'm, John, we're, we're vamping here. But. John is there. So I, I am going to cut you loose. I'm going to bring John in, and we will... Uh, we will continue on. Phone lines are still open, so if you want to jump in, you can. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. And I'm going to bring in John Hewlett right now. John, welcome back. Kevin, sorry. I, you know how hard it is to get a contractor these days. And I, I had the scheduled for 9 this morning, and they, they got lost and didn't get it until 10. So I kind of messed me up but uh, uh no problem glad to be with you we, we just got back from uh a 12-hour drive from Coeur d'Alene Spokane had the uh, clay um um clay clark uh reawaken reawaken america tour with all of the great patriots that uh he, and evangelicals that he's accumulated and we had an amazing experience and 6,000 people spent two days wow. listening to ways we can save our country. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And boy, I'll tell you, Coeur d'Alene is just a beautiful part of the country. It, it, it's, it is absolutely spectacular. And then, of course, the drive between there and Missoula is fantastic. It's a beautiful time of year. And so, yeah, we're, we're going 100 miles an hour. Tomorrow we go to Pennsylvania to uh, uh, another rally of patriots and people interested in finding answers to the tyranny going on in our country. And uh, so we've got, we got a full schedule between now and it looks like Thanksgiving of going and presenting the, the answer that cardio miracle is to those people who are trying to build their immune system. And also the, the uh, gathering of people with prosecute now and, our Rally for Liberty program, which is moving full steam ahead, gathering tens of thousands of testimonials and videos from people who have been harmed by the actions of our government the last two and a half years. Excellent. It's good to see. Boy, we, we and we just have to keep up that fight because they are more than happy to just sweep this all under the rug and keep going. You know, I have to I have to comment on uh, the thing that you know. I know you'll like us to bring a topic, but I, I when I got home, we got home late at night before last, and 
last night it took a minute and I was watching <laughs> Governor DeSantis and uh, Governor Abbott talking about their uh, plane loads and bus loads of people that they sent to Martha's Vineyard and to uh, <laughs> Kamala's house yeah. and to other places. And, and, and you know, it's interesting because I, I listened to Geraldo uh, Rivera trying to defend on, on that uh, five program, you know, saying that, you know, you're using people as pawns and you're, you're doing this. And, and, you know, he, he really is a humanitarian. I don't agree with him, but he, he really does care about people. But I thought, you know, he's accusing DeSantis and Abbott of using people as a political sure. pawn. Well, what the, what the hell are they doing here in the first place if that isn't a political well, ploy let, to let, let them stream across the border? This issue and this week, the way they responded to the Martha's Vineyard thing just proves that they're insane. What is the matter with them? Let's just think about this with a little bit of common sense. These people started in Central America or Africa or some other corner of the world, and they somehow managed to get to Mexico, which isn't easy. If they're coming from South America, they walk thousands of miles right we know that crime is rampant that women and children are raped constantly they're they're abused by the cartels and everybody else this goes on for months and months and months how how they even do it is incredible to me so they go through all of that they get across the border and one of our Republican governors puts them on a nice, luxurious bus and sends them to some place like Martha's Vineyard, and we're we're saying that it, it's bad. That we're, we're making it sound like it's dangerous or uncomfortable for these people. Come on, they they have just they they sound insane when they say this. I cannot believe they are willing to go on national media and respond the way they're responding. They, they're, they, they just come across as so ignorant and out of touch about this. Totally. And then you look at the fact that when they were coming across, the, the government was putting them on an airplane in the middle of the night. Of course. And sending them to who knows what. Right. To drop and, them in cities all over the country. And, and they're saying that, that this is a plot. Yeah, you know, thank heavens, you know, and, and I find it interesting because I'm, I'm actually, I probably told you, I'm, I'm a very big uh, Ron DeSantis fan. I think he's, he's really got what I like personally, but it's interesting because it's like he and Abbott are both playing presidential pre-primary politics to see who can, who can do the most to uh, keep the limelight. But the reality is, this kind of thing needs to be exposed. The hypocrisy needs to be exposed. It, well, you know, I can turn on, whether it's Fox or OAN or uh, Rebel News or a couple of the other conservative news channels, and you can watch these people drowning as they come across the river. It's a common occurrence. Well, yeah. Where where yeah. are all the liberals? Why aren't they screaming about why aren't we stopping them? Why are we encouraging them to come across the border? We're not stopping them. We're encouraging right. them. And they're dying as they're doing it. And, and where are all the liberal bleeding hearts about those deaths? Hey, 
but so it's okay if you drown trying to walk across the river, but my gosh, how inhumane of us to send you to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. With, I'm sure, a full backpack and plenty of stops for nice meals along the way. I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and here we're doing this. We're going through all these charades with a country that's accumulating debt faster than we know what to do with and uh, in, in a bankrupt economy and now a massive recession so, that just hasn't hit the airways yet. I mean, you look at the corporations, they're starting to lay people off. They're starting to shut down stores. Retail sales are off substantially. Um, housing has gone into a total swoon, and yet we're we're talking about fifty people on a bus in Martha's Vineyard. Exactly, that seems a yeah. little a little trite. We have much bigger, so to speak. Uh, things to worry about or fish to fry. Yeah. Well, let me throw another topic. Well, before I throw into the other topic, did you watch the 60 minute? I think it was 60 minutes interview with Biden this week. Briefly with Wait. Scott Bell. Wait, was that bizarre <laughs> or what? Well, he's trying to show that he's willing to be interviewed by a tough journalist. And well, that, that oh, was, give me a that break. Was that was the biggest. There were so many really, really good follow-up questions that should have been asked. How, how about this one? Because this one, I, the second he's, this is the second time he's done this. And this seems like a really big deal to me. Why? Why? So when he says, yes, we would put troops on Taiwan. What? He said this twice now. That is absolutely not our policy. And he keeps saying it is our policy. No, we made an agreement. Yeah, we'd put troops on the ground in Taiwan. What? Has he lost his mind? Why aren't we clarifying that? Why wasn't there a follow-up to that? Why isn't there a follow-up today? What is our policy in Taiwan? Well, let's hope we don't have to make that choice. If we put American lives at risk in Taiwan, I I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And then, according to him, the pandemic's over. I guess there's no more mandates anymore then, right? All all the mandates should be gone. They should be gone. And and the... CDC's backing off. Everybody is backing off. The narrative is changing. They're redefining everything uh, because it's being proven every day that much of it was contrived. Um, uh, People got sick, but the people who died, most of them died from treatment, in my opinion, instead of... uh, they, the original problem. Correct. They either died from treatment, and I have a personal case of that that I absolutely know that's what happened, or they were going to die that year anyway. They were really old. A lot of old people and also a lot of compromised right. Uh, right. race issues with Native Americans, African Americans that have a propensity they just genetically do. It's a fact. And, and Heart disease, diabetes, lack of vitamin D, and lack of nitric oxide. And then we bring them in, give them drugs that don't work, and put them on a ventilator, and then they die. Right. 
Yeah, that yep. that we saw it, we've seen it. Uh, yeah. Now here's one thing we you know you say there's it. the shift with the CDC and they're redefining, but here's something that they're not changing. They are pushing the vaccine hard. They're pushing the annual. Now they're oh, going to sure. call it an annual sure. seasonal. It's going to have you know different variations, just like the flu shot. They're pushing it really hard. All the public service announcements are out there already. Get your flu shot. Get your COVID shot. Get them both at the same time. You've got two arms. One that one doctor actually said. He actually made this statement. God gave you two two arms for a reason. Can you believe that? And he was talking about the two vaccines. Because you can't give them in the same arm at the yeah. same time. But he actually said, God gave you two yeah. arms. Now you can get your COVID shot and your flu vaccine at the same time. But my point on this is, why are we pushing it when other countries around the world are starting to ban it? Denmark has banned the vaccine for anybody under 50. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting because they're a pretty progressive group. There. I know. They're, they're seeing the death. Well, it's because our world is controlled by uh, corporate uh, narrative and they're in cahoots with these government people and they're doubling down. They're doubling down because they see the narratives falling apart. So is it just a money grab? That seems like the obvious answer. They make an awful lot of money from this vaccine. But it, it, it's so bad that if you look at the data, anybody that's promoting this vaccine at this point, you almost would have to think it's some sort of population control. I think that that's certainly from, well, Bill Gates made those comments several years ago. And so have others saying that life on earth cannot be sustained by this amount of population. So they, they put that out there. So, that certainly could be part of it. The other side of it that, you know, I was in the insurance business. Think about the fact that if you're, if you're able to, you know, essentially legally um, terminate lives shorter than others, that has a significant impact on the analysts and people are projecting that by 2028, uh, there's no turning, there will be nothing left and there'll be no turning back on the social security uh, fund. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of that at play, but you know, the way we throw money around, I, I don't know. I guess we just print it by the trillions and give it to whoever we want. I guess. Um, and uh, don't, don't seem to have any uh, particular concern about how it's being spent. You know, I read another story and there's so many of these that that one, you know, at a time doesn't seem like it's any big deal. But I, I've been talking about these stories for a long time. I can read one every day, just about certainly every week. Um, this one is about a doctor, um, Dr. Kimberly Beecher. She's from West Virginia. She was heavily promoting the vaccine. Uh, she was a big, big promote, proponent of the vaccine. And in um, April of 2021, she's 41 years old. Um, she felt like she was having a heart attack. So she went to the emergency room. Her blood pressure was 250 over 125. Wow. 250 over 125. That's, that, that's insane. She had uh, ventricular tachycardia. Um, So here's what they diagnosed her with. 
they actually diagnosed her with something called broken heart disease. And it is a real thing. There is a real wow. thing called broken heart disease. Um, I think it, I don't know if I'll say this right. Takotsubo's cardiomyopathy is the official term for it. It's called broken heart disease. And what happens is the, um, I think it's the left ventricular valve in the heart um, gets really weak. But it occurs after somebody has had a highly stressful event, like a a death of somebody really, really close um, it, it, so th- there is this, yeah. And, and we're not really sure. sure other than the fact that the, they, they went through a stressful enough event when you're in stress, your body releases chemicals and, um, it, it is possible. You can have a physiological response from stress and this is a, a really extreme response, yeah. but we know that it happens. Sure. So it's not to say that they just made this right. up. This really does exist. The problem is. This 41-year-old doctor had zero traumatic events in her life. There was nothing. Nothing changed. She had no kind of traumatic event. Nothing happened. And so here's the other thing about this diagnosis. Um, There's a term for this, but I can't remember what it is. We have other things like this, like, um, let me see. Oh, they call it a diagnosis of exclusion. And there are other conditions like this, like um, oh, nerve pain, um, chronic fatigue syndrome. Remember when that was a really big one? Chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, sure. There's, yeah, my, wife, my wife had that. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, you should probably. There's no way to diagnose it. There's no clear measurement of chronic fatigue syndrome. There's no. Oh, te- there, it, no, it, that's exactly. Yeah, Go ahead. No, you're right. One of the big issues, well, I'm sorry, one of the big issues with all chronic illnesses is it's somebody's definition of symptoms that somebody decided to call a name and they either named it after that person or whatever they decided to name it. Correct. They're all autoimmune, chronic inflammation types of things with all kinds of different symptoms that have been labeled and categorized as various diseases but no definitive way to say we're going to test this on this person and prove whether they have chronic fatigue syndrome or not you can't do it there is no test there's no diagnosis so what happens is you get diagnosed with these types of diseases when we can't prove that it was something else if we can't figure out why her left ventricular valve is weak well, we've tried to prove it was this. We couldn't. You tried to prove it's that. You can't. You did this test. Nope, that was negative. So when they're all out of ideas, then they'll say, oh, well, she, she had broken heart disease. But you can't prove that. That's just pure speculation. Right. Yeah. So isn't it highly likely that this was caused by the vaccine? We know this vaccine causes heart problems. Well, they certainly determined that in Europe with uh, the J&J version with the outbreak of myocarditis and everything else. Now, you know, I I may have mentioned this in a previous interview, but, you know, when when the leading cause of death now in North America is unknown cause, 
<laughs> why, why is it so difficult for people to figure that out? I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. Unknown cause, the leading cause. Uh, so that's, and then this uh, sudden adult death syndrome. Sad. Right. Well, we are sad, and there is a syndrome, and but it's not. And and what's it? What's really sad, just like the the Danes and Denmark have figured out, is it's happening to people under fifty that actuarially or mortality wise, based upon all of the existing data and statistics, should not be occurring as often as it's occurring with people under fifty who were normally healthy before. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were at the hospital the other day. Lisa had to have a test done. And I don't remember how it came up, but the nurse that was in there had said something about the vaccine. And I said, well, you know, Denmark has just banned it and basically outlawed it. She looked at me and her eyes got big and she was like horrified. And she said, oh, my God, why would they do that? And I said, Maybe it's because it doesn't work. And she looked at me and she said, where did you hear? It works amazingly well. I'm like, oh my God, she's a nurse. How can she not know this? The, The numbers are there, even though they've tried really, really hard to hide the data. If you dig deep enough, you look at enough countries, there's plenty of data out there to show this thing does almost nothing after a month or two. But she was horrified. Why would they do that? No, it's very effective. I'm like, no, it's not. And and I was I was going yeah. to try to prove it to her, and then Lisa gave me the old stink eye because you know she knew I was getting all wound up. So I st- <laughs> I stopped. But I I was about to ask her because I know the number. I check this kind of stuff. I was about to ask her how many people are in your hospital right now with COVID, and she I'm sure she doesn't know the number. And then I would have asked her how many of those that are in the hospital with COVID, so they're sick enough with COVID that they had to come to the hospital, how many of them are vaccinated? And she would not have known the answer, but I do. It's about 70% of them. About 70% of the people who are in the hospital sick with COVID or in intensive care with COVID, they're vaccinated. It's more than half. Yes, the statistics are, are coming out, and they they can't hide it any longer. It's 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 coming out, and that's good, and that's why we're we're anxious to try to help move forward. We're, we're we are committed at uh, at our company, Guardian Miracle. We're committed to helping rebuild immune systems. We're helping to prevent future outbreaks of whatever they are and however they've originated. It's all about building your immune system. It's all about uh, living in hope, not in fear, uh, trying to make what's a very stressful time less stressful through perspective. But it's, a, it's, it's pretty rough out there. There's a lot of, a lot of challenges everywhere, and I think we're gonna, I, I think we're in for a pretty rocky ride in the next uh, 90 days. Yeah, I I think so, too. I think what you just said, though, is really what we need to focus on, and I think it really is key. What can we do going forward to minimize the impacts that these types of events are going to have? This is not our last pandemic. I, I, I have a feeling that pandemics are going to become a regular part of life for us. 
I have a feeling over the next 10 years, we're going to have multiple pandemics. And it, it's not all conspiracy theory either. I think it is actually the government taking advantage of the fact that human beings have become so metabolically sick that these types of pathogens are going to become dangerous when they shouldn't be. I really don't think the COVID virus should have been dangerous for most human beings. It's just that too many human beings today are so metabolically sick that these things are going to be a problem and it's going to get worse. We, we actually, whether COVID was man-made or natural, you know, I wish we knew that for sure, but we don't, we have to speculate, but either way, it, it, it could have been far worse. We dodged a bullet. If this thing would have been more deadly because we know it spreads really, really easy but had it been more deadly, this would have been a real issue. And what's to say that's not going to happen next month? True. And that's why, like you say, people need to focus on uh, keeping their immune system strong and uh, eating uh, wisely and, um, and trying to live a lifestyle uh, that's hope and uh, hopefully has some purpose and spiritual-based and live in love and acceptance. And, and, you know, Kevin, it is just very upsetting to me when I'm seeing these videos of all of these homeless people and, and we're flying illegal immigrants around our country uh, with paying all their expenses and everything else. And we have millions of people of our own uh, from our military and from uh, the American way of life, who, who we're wasting all this money. We could be building tiny home cities that would be housing people and giving them jobs and doing something productive. Instead, well, we're trying to manipulate elections over power by, by well, you, bringing in another couple of people. You just reminded me of something. The liberals are all freaked out about DeSanta sending 50 people up to Martha's Vineyard. Wait a minute. Don't I remember Newsom in California? Didn't he have a busing program? Wasn't he giving homeless people bus tickets to anywhere they wanted to go? I think that's true. He was. I remember that. I forget when that was. It was a couple of years ago. He was giving bus tickets to get the homeless people out of the California cities. How is that any different? It's all who does it is yeah. where the narrative goes. It's whoever's, yeah, whoever's ox is being gored is where it ends up at their, at their feet. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's I've got pretty... Yeah, I've got one piece of good news, and then we're going to wrap this up today, I think. Um, Good news on the uh, First Amendment fight. So Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube just lost um, a pretty big decision. So it was in the – it was an appeal. Um, It was in the Fifth Circuit Court. And um, the Fifth Circuit ruled in favor of a Texas law. Texas passed a law that stops all the social media companies from censoring their members. Texas says that's illegal. You can't do it. Um, and and their, their logic is because they're protected. 
they have that federal protection that they shouldn't have. So it's either one way or the other. You either lose the protection or you are responsible for this. So one or the other, and this court upheld it. So this, this was a pretty big win. The, the court said, no, you can't. The social media companies cannot censor their members. So the, 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 um, the thought is this will go to the Supreme Court. This will be a pretty big Supreme Court case. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm grateful for the few things that the Supreme Court has done well recently. And, uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they will rule in favor of the Bill of Rights and the people. I think so. I, I'm pretty optimistic if they're, you know, this is a, a good makeup of the court to hear this case. So I certainly hope it does get appealed to the Supreme Court and they decide on this. Yeah, I hope so, too. I think that that at this point is the best part of the uh, legacy of the previous administration is the Supreme Court making some sense of a few things versus, I mean, can you imagine if Merrick Garland would have been put on the Supreme Court? No. The way he's behaved is... Oh, yeah, what a mess <laughs> that would have been. I mean, that's, uh, that's, the one, that's the one that Mitch McConnell, who's not really one of my favorites, uh, sat on. Yeah. Proved to do us a big... Proved to do us a big favor. Uh, uh, because, boy, I'll tell you, he has shown that he, he certainly doesn't do anything that even resembles the Constitution, which is... Pretty tragic. Yeah, it sure is. All right, we're. Uh, did I have something else? Oh, thanks, you Kevin. Have... I apologize for being. Oh, no problem. Delighted throw, always to talk to. You. Throw in one more I'm number because the, it's been a it's been a big week or so for this, and I'm keeping an eye on it. But the uh, stock market's down almost 500 points again today. I think it's not a bad time to be in uh, something else, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, like I said, I think we're in for a we're in for a rocky ride because the numbers out there, the you know, when when you when you send petroleum and inflation through the roof, you're going to have a hard time yep. with all the other indexes as they come about. Yep. So. You know, one of the questions I keep saying, I'm going to wrap this up. One of the questions I get from people a lot, and I like it. I really like this topic. We don't talk about it as much as I'd like to. People want to know where they should invest their money, and right now everybody's wondering. And I've said. It's a mess. You don't want to be in the market right now. It's way too volatile. Um, you don't want to be in real estate right now. It's probably worse off than the stock market. Precious metals aren't even acting like we would expect them to act right now. So that's a little weird. And I'm not a big fan of precious metals. Um, so people, when they ask that question, actually, this was my open yesterday. Um, there's two places you should invest your money when we're in times like we are right now. Um, one of them, when we are seeing prices that are going up 8% every month, we're at 8% inflation year over year, um, pre-buy consumables. If you have storage space and cash, go buy stuff, stuff you know you're going to consume, food, you know, paper products. What, if everything's going up every month, when you buy stuff ahead of time, that's a return on investment. I, I might get 8% return on my money just pre-buying consumables. And that's pretty risk-free. I mean, you're going to use them. 
So that's one really easy way. The other one, though, that I I did my open on yesterday, the best place to invest your money right now is in yourself. Audiobooks, courses, you you should be learning. Learning right now. There's not a lot else to do in this economy. Uh, I wouldn't be making any decisions, but people should be investing in themselves. And the number one place to start with that is your health. Invest in your own health. Get really healthy right now. You know, Kevin, I, I, I agree with much of what you said. I, I think one thing that I've read, because I hear, I, I'm very in tune with that, having been a financial person, but one of the things is buy commodities that have real value. So when you think about, you know, uh, trucks, tools, things that could be used for barter, because there, there's a genuine concern. I have a genuine concern that our our currency is going to be undermined and we may be forced into some sort of a digital currency of some sort. So buying things of value that can produce food or transportation or those types of things are are things that I think are good good items. You just touched on a topic that I've talked about before and, you know, not to get too far off into the apocalyptic end of the world kind of scenario, but it's not out of the question that today we could have a massive power outage regionally caused by the Chinese or the North Koreans or whoever getting into our grid. We know they're in there. We know they could manipulate it. It could happen. That That's not out of the question. That's not even that far out of reality. And if it happens, life could get pretty miserable for you if you're not prepared. So one, and and that's kind of what I was talking about pre-buying consumables. And, you know, I've always heard this and I completely disagree with this. I've always heard this thing. You should have gold or precious metals. And even to the point where you should have like gold coins, because when the economy collapses, we're all going to trade in gold. Well, wait a minute. What am I going to use that gold for? Uh, Food? medicine, bullets, things you need to survive, right? That would be the idea that if you, you know, if our currency collapses, well, you'll have gold and you can trade it for this other stuff. You've heard that, right? Yes, I have. And actually, (laughs) I do happen to believe in precious metals to, to an extent because I don't, I have more confidence in silver coins than I do in dollar no, bills that are being deflated. I, I do here, but so. but let's think about something. Because like on the financial side, I was a certified financial planner. I have a strong opinion about precious metals as an investment. They're awful. They're volatile. You have to spend a lot of money to buy gold or precious metals. The fees are outrageous when you compare them to stocks or other equities. Um, that's a big issue. They're volatile. So as an investment, I don't like them at all, period. But this idea of, yeah, but if you're holding real gold or real silver, real coins, you can buy these things you're going to need. Okay. That makes sense. But why don't I just skip the coins and just go buy the stuff while I have money? Doesn't that make far more sense? No, I, I'm a, I agree. See, to me, I think doing both, first of all, here, here's what I would say. One, pay off things 
so you don't have obligations. Absolutely. I've been saying it for four years. I, I've been saying for four years, yeah, ask I'm anybody that safe. listens to my show, the last four years, my theme has right. been pay down debt and save cash because bad times are coming. Right. And I think you should have a certain amount of cash, in my opinion, probably six months worth of your expenses. I think you should have some uh, tradable, fungible, um, you know, the junk silver or silver rounds or a few of that as a, as a place. I think having uh, things that are barterable from equipment, fuel, tools, et cetera. And I believe that everyone should have a, a year's supply of food and the ability to grow food I, uh, on your own. I agree to all food. of that. Yep. And, and one of the things, yeah, and one of the things, Kevin, that I think people can do, anyone can do, is learn how to grow sprouts. Because if you have sprouts, so our, our motto at the Hewlett House is, if we have sprouts and uh, freeze-dried food and cardio miracle, we can survive about anything. <laughs> and you know what? Not, not only just survive, but you'd be far healthier than the people who eat the standard American diet today. Yeah, well... Well, exactly, and I think with if those types, if things get that bad with the destruction of our currency or the coming down of our grid, then there'll be rampant loss of life and uh, lots of problems. And so, people being individually prepared with the necessities, and and I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, freeze dried food because it you just have to mix it with water. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, um, um, and it, 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 it the last twenty five years, so yeah, we've, we're, we've been freeze drying like crazy a couple of years. So. Yeah, we're getting ready to. We're we're having a meeting today when I get off the air um, on some of the projects we're working on. And one of them is doing a whole series on um, basically food from start to finish, growing, preserving, you know, canning, fermenting, freeze drying, all the different methods. Yeah, you're you're an expert on that. Yeah, you talked about your canning projects and i was fascinated by that and and that's all prudent but but like i say i think everyone should be stocking up on the essentials of life at least 30 60 90 120 days or longer yep. uh, would be the best investment and you you're exactly right on the inflationary aspect of that uh, just like you know uh, buying anything that's going to go up and you know that's going to cost more in three months, you're you're getting the best internal rate of return exactly. by buying it in advance, yeah. and, and, and it's a guaranteed it's, it's, it's rate of return. Advance. There's no risk. Exactly, it's immediate. Yeah. You're exactly right. I yeah. agree. All right, hey, we got we have one call, so we're going to grab it. Uh, Fred, okay. welcome. So you get away without talking to me today, huh? No, I was, I was, I actually, that's why I've been stalling. I kept thinking maybe if I stall long enough, Fred will call today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, Kevin, the, the best precious metal to invest in right now is lead. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need any gold coins. All you need is a lot of lead. <laughs> food, food and lead works for me. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. I, uh, I feel hey, hey, real quick, we've, we've already two, been two advantages yeah, to lead. I can kill something with it that I could eat, or I can kill somebody that's trying to take the food I already have. It's valuable stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Well, I'd rather get crossbows and everything so we save the lead. How's that? You could do that too, yeah. Yeah, there you go. It got to be like the, like the Walking Dead, you know? <laughs> That's right. It's a lot of lessons in that series. I know. Um, I, um, I feel we've already been in a recession, um, the starting of it. I think, you know, the, you, we all see the, the markers and everything else. But I think we're probably in for a good, I'd say, to the end of next year at, at minimum before we start seeing any kind of daylight. I agree with that. I don't think it's it's the zombie apocalypse. I don't think anything like that. But but we we still should be prepared. Yeah. Here's the whole point of being prepared. The reason you have to be prepared is something's going to happen that you don't expect. If we could predict everything, then there wouldn't you wouldn't have. We can't predict this stuff. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know that China isn't going to invade Taiwan. Right. Right. We don't know that China yeah. isn't going to invade Taiwan this afternoon. And that would that would Correct. change the world as we know it. So it, lots oh, of things could happen. Um, and, and like we talk about, when we talk about being prepared, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I can't stock up on that because that's a lot of money. You're right, it is. But guess what? If you don't stock up on it, it's going to be a lot more in three months. A hundred percent. And and when we do have this slowdown is when I'm going to teach myself how to can. There you go. And do a little more fermenting because I'll have more time on my hands to do that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, which which is the good and bad thing, you know. But uh, uh it's a welcome thing because I I really want to I really want to learn that. Um, I don't know what you guys have covered, uh, but uh, interesting interesting uh, conversations I've heard. Over the past week, uh, one to, uh, head of a think tank or conservative think tank says Mitch McConnell doesn't care about he just wants to be the head of the Senate. He don't care if he's in the minority or the majority. Um, so he's um, he's not really uh, concerned with these candidates coming up <clears throat> or the power. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um also, I heard uh, that the RNC pulled $8 million of ad buying from the Arizona candidate out there. Um, I didn't see that. And another one. thing, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if that's, I, that's what I heard. I don't, I don't know so is this how the, to even find out. Is this the case where the, uh, the DNC is actually running ads promoting the Trump candidates no, in the primaries? No, that was, oh, that okay. was in the primaries. No, this, this was the RNC. The RNC, I heard, pulled uh, $8 million oh. of ad buying funds from Blake Masters because he's oh, gaining okay. ground in Arizona. Got it. Got um, it. Okay. I don't know how to check that, if that's true or not. But I'll, I'll tell you what also I heard. And I started thinking about this. Uh, the Republicans are not are not effective in getting things done when they've been in power. And I started thinking about that, you know, and it's kind of true. They they'd rather be in a minority and pounding the table and getting people riled up and donating than than to actually do something. Have They're nowhere something. near as yeah. aggressive as aggressive as the Democrats are. Yeah, that's true. So, 
So I think we need more of these American first. You can call them Trump back guys, whatever. You know, I also started thinking about that, too. I think Donald Trump throws his name in, in the ring maybe a month or so when they're polling is really going to beat the, the incumbent or whatever. So he looks like he, you know, he's very shrewd with things like that. So, you know, are they really Trump back guys or are they, are, are they really candidates or are they really just American first and like his right. policies? Right. You know, that's, that's a debate we can have, I guess, uh, you know, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, but um, you know, so I, I really think we need, we definitely need a split, a split house and Senate, from the executive branch just to stop the, but I think we need more people in there that have our interest. And I, and I believe that's where the, the so, establishment is trying to tower on that. I have a question and I don't know this. Maybe somebody sure. else does. Um, let's say we do get the Republicans into the house and Senate after the midterms. Can they stop executive orders? Do they have any power or any methods or ways of stopping executive? Because honestly, all the damage, most of the damage has been done by Biden himself with executive orders. Right. And the same thing with Trump. That's why I, that's why I started thinking about this, because Trump's Trump's successes, what we would consider successes in the economy and, and the country was all really done by executive order. Oh, Very no, wait, few wait, things wait, he wait, got done. No, I disagree with that. But. The tax, his tax bill was Congress voted that. Oh, no, yes. I would, no, no, I know that. I know that. I said, but very few things he got other than that. He deregulated. That was all his branch. He wrote executive orders when he couldn't get 60 votes in the House, in the Senate, rather. So a lot of things he did. That's why that's why we see such a drastic change with with the economy, because they just overrode his executive decisions. Yeah. A yeah. lot of stuff wasn't but, done by Congress. So. Yeah, the tax law was definitely a, a congressional thing. That was definitely, but that had some of that. Some of that provisions have a have a shelf life on it. I think twenty five. They Is do, yeah, yeah, they do. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I you know, and I I, I believe we really need because what what the Congress and the Senate have is the power of the purse, so they can say. We're going to fund this, but we're not going to fund this this part of the eighty seven thousand new IRS agents. Got it. They can do that. Got yeah, that's right. You know, You're they, right. They, they can, have the they, money. That's you know, right. They, they yeah they they have power of the purse, so they can, that's where I think we, why we need both houses because if they get enough people, and I believe there is enough centrist Democrats that that might be able to get us over the finish line on some of the not so not so partisan issues. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess the best thing is, I guess is if you're in those States or you have some extra cash, you want to try it, but I wouldn't donate to the RNC. I would donate to the See, actual candidates themselves. Speaking, if you want to do something. Speaking of the Republicans, uh, you know, I said earlier that I, I just don't know what the Democrats are thinking. They just seem like they can't lose is, is almost their attitude anymore. They're doing such outrageous stuff. But on the other hand, what the hell are the Republicans doing? It seems like they're doing nothing. Like if they really exactly. put a push on to nothing. take over Congress, it should be a slam dunk. Here's all they have to do. No, they are doing it. Right. Why? Why aren't they pushing? First, they'd have to create it, but that wouldn't take long. And they should be really, really pushing 
Why don't we have another contract with America? Well, you see, this is the thing. You got Kevin McCarthy, who I believe is is just a, a deep state Republican from California, and he said he's going to come out with this, uh, con- you know, another contract with America, like Newt Gingrich. But you know what? He hasn't come out with it yet. I know. When is he waiting for here's it? Here's the thing. He's do it at the end of the month. You know, when Newt Gingrich did it, he had some some stuff to work with. And it worked really well. Yes. Look at everything right. the Republicans have to work with right now. My gosh, this should be a slam dunk. We should have a, a contract right. for the border. We should have a contract for and, crime. We should have a contract for inflation. Not that they can do much, but they might as well at least try. But why? there are so many problems in the country right now, outrageous problems, that getting elected as a conservative Republican should be a slam dunk. Correct. And that's why I go back to this whole thing, why they don't want these America first candidates in there or Trump back candidates, because they don't want fundamental change for the for the good of of America. They they, they they're still deep state creatures. And I, I don't know. So. I don't know why. You know, it just it, it's it, because that statement you just made, it should be a slam dunk. We should be we should be getting 20 seats in the, in the Senate and, and 50 seats yeah. in the House. Yeah. And I don't and I don't think we're getting anywhere near that. You see what the best thing would be if they did get a, a, a super majority, then the that would really put pressure on the administration, because if they did anything wonky, it would be a rep- it would be a, a reformation on them for twenty four. Yeah, and I don't care I don't care who it would be, whether it be DeSantis, Trump again, or 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 Pompeo. It, it, you know that the anyone who was not the the party in power would get would get the the presidency. Yeah. So you know this is and and I I really feel they don't want to rock the boat all that much to change the political headwinds in, in D.C. It's what it seems like. It's what it seems I, like. I mean, that's the only conclusion you can I come know. through when, when you're just level-headedly. Yeah. I, it, they're too intelligent not to know that if they went out and made a full-court press, they could take over both. That's all it would take. You know, Just go I, out and heard, say the right thing. I heard a statement. I heard a statement this morning. Now, you know, Larry Fink is the head of BlackRock, which is one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Okay, and he 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 pushes for China, all kinds of China stuff. He pushes investing in China. And and someone said, doesn't he know that most of these companies are directly correlated with the CCP and and military funding and against us? And the guy said, how could Larry Fink be so smart and one in the same conversation be so dumb? So he knows exactly what he's doing. And that's right. exactly what these people know what they're doing. Yep. They can't be smart, super smart in one area and dumb in the same conversation. Nope. Nope. That's not how it works. All right. Well, I, yeah, it's not how it works. I do think we're going to wrap this up for today. John, thanks as always. Sounds good. And, uh. Fred, good oh, John, I love today. your party of miracle, by the way. Oh, good. Glad you do. You're, yes, let sir. me tell you, you are a very, very well-informed citizen and patriot. And, you know, we, the problem, you're exactly right. We don't need more traditional Republicans. We need America first patriots 
uh, from whatever party that they are. Exactly. And that's unfortunately going to be probably, well, most of them will probably be Republican oriented, but we need to support those people who are all for change. We've got to have change. Right. Right. And, and, just, and I'd like to get rid of I, both McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy, both Kevin McCarthy and McConnell should go They're They are not a part of the solution in my opinion. Right. I, I, agree. I, I, I agree, but we have to get, we have to get enough people to vote them out. We have to get more people like a Jim Jordan in there than than a, than a, than a, than a Kevin McCarthy. You know one, and and, and that's just going to take the will of the people. Yeah. Yep. All right. We are going to wrap this up. So thanks to both of you, Fred. Good to hear from you today, and uh, we'll do it again. Yes, Everyone have a great day. Be safe. There you go. We'll do it again next Thank you week. Very much. Thanks, John. All right. All right. Be safe. Thanks. Be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.